That was just a short order of Who Do You Love, I Hope, played by Maestro Al Goodman and his 40 men who... This is Studio 6 hey, wait a minute, folks. wait a this minute. This glass booth is the control room. Say, just a minute. That little man with the mildew on him is a vice president. Say, wait a minute. What is this? This is a Radio City 60-cent tour. Okay, folks, let's get going. Hey, wait a minute. I got a stowaway here. A stowaway in a tour? Only 15 people paid. Now I got 16. Who would be low enough to sneak into a tour to save 60 cents? There's the guy. Hey, you. Who, me? Jack Benny. In 1944, Fred Allen had quit the Texaco Star Theater as a battle with high blood pressure forced him off the air. The next fall in 1945, he returned to NBC, Sundays at 8.30 p.m., with the Fred Allen Show, sponsored by Blue Bonnet Margarine and Tenderleaf Tea. With he and Jack Benny back on the same network, the two rekindled their feud. It came to a climax on the May 26, 1946 episode of Fred's Show with a sketch entitled, King for a Day. Benny pretended to be a contestant named Myron Proudfoot on Allen's new quiz show. The skit is mostly ad-libbed, and the ending was a surprise to everyone, including Jack Benny. You'll notice that announcer Kenny Delmar is unable to say the final Tenderleaf Tea promo before the program's time ran out. NBC executives were incensed. Allen tried to explain that there was no way to predict how long an audience would laugh. Oh, start insulting me after I made a, st a special trip up here just to say goodbye before I leave for Hollywood. All of a sudden, I'm cheap. I won't even eat in the sun. My shadow might ask me for a bite. No. Your shadow has teeth? <laughs> Jack, look. Jack, don't... Jack, don't get excited. Look, if you're cheap, you're cheap. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> Some people save asparagus ends. It's a hobby. My hobby is not spending. <laughs> Well, Jack, if there ever was a time that you and I should not argue, this is the time. What do you mean, this is the time? Well, a lot of, haven't you heard, a lot of the radio programs that have been on for many years have been canceled. They're, they'll not be back on the air next fall. Well, that's radio, Fred. It's dog-eat-dog. Dog. I always say, only the fit survive. Oh, how true. By the way, you, uh, you finished tonight, didn't you? <laughs> Yes, sir. Tonight was my last show of the season. Did your sponsor mention anything about your program coming uh, back in October? Well, no, no, Fred, but we have a mutual understanding. You see, we always sort of take it for granted. Oh. The season ends, the sponsor shakes hands with me, and then we... Yipe! <laughs> Jack. Jack, what's, what's wrong? Tonight he didn't shake hands. Well, that's what happened to the street singer. <laughs> At the end of the year, his sponsor used to wink. One year, he didn't wink. The street singer was back in the street. But Fred, why should my sponsor want to get rid of me? Well, I'm funnier than I was when I started, and I'm getting less money. Really? Some weeks when he's short, I take tobacco. <laughs> I hate to well, get these big laughs on your program. I <laughs> Let's face it, Jack. Radio needs new blood. Who knows? We, we, we may be through. I've been on radio 14 years. They can't throw me aside like an old shoe. But, Jack... 14 years. And now, like an old shoe. 
But Jack, you with that hmm and yipe, 14 years is a long time. Fred, what has Mark Perkins got that I haven't got? Only longer commercials. <laughs> well, Jack, you know how it is in radio. Today you're a star, tomorrow Ralph Edwards is hitting you in the face with a pie. Like an old shoe. Well, cheer up, Jack. At least we have our memories. We've known each other for 30 years. Yep. The first time I met you, Fred, I was just a kid in school. A diller, a dollar, a ten o'clock scholar. You were the only ten o'clock scholar I ever saw with five o'clock shadow. <laughs> How I could use some of that fuzz today. <laughs> I could use a good joke today, too. The next time we met, we were in Vaudeville, remember? You were doing a musical act. Playing the violin. What a finish I had. When I played Glowworm, my violin lit up. <laughs> With those neon strings, it was beautiful. Fred, remember my encore? Encore? Remember I'd put the violin bow in my teeth, bend the crab, and play Listen to the Mockingbird? And as you bent the crab, two mockingbirds flew out of the back of your pants. I stopped every show. <laughs> Except this one. Remember the closing... Remember the closing... This one stopped five minutes before I got on it. <laughs> remember, remember that week in Needles, Arizona, the closing act, Cohen's Camels? Cohen's? No, no, the I The closing don't. act. Jack, how could you forget Cohen's Camels? Cohen, I remember. My sponsor told me to forget that other word. <laughs> ah, those were the happy days. The next time I saw you, you were just going into radio. Radio. I remember the morning Marconi called me up. Marconi? Marconi and Singing Sam had a little radio station in a doorway down on the east side. The antenna was a Western Union boy holding a wire. Well, I the guess it's... jokes don't fit. No, I they don't. don't. <laughs> the antenna. When did I ever say antenna on my own phone? <laughs> Go ahead, Fred. Well, it's all over, Jack. We've come to the end of the rainbow. Like an old shoe. Like a, there it is again. <laughs> And on ten minutes already, I've only had it's an old shoe. Oh, I forgot antenna. Yeah. You ought to get a boot out of that old shoe by now. No, I'm sorry I brought it back in again. Seems like only yesterday I ran into the May Company and said, Mary, stop demonstrating that Brillo. That's another word I don't know. It goes We're on going top to of work. an antenna. A Brillo fits on an antenna. Cheer up, Jack. When, you when you're retired, you can tune in on my program. Your program? You mean you're not getting thrown out of radio, too? Well, why should I? Listen, if my program is old stuff, you with that broken-down Alan's Alley... No, well, wait, I mean my new show. New show? Uh, people don't want entertainment today. A radio show has to give away things. Nylons, iceboxes, automobiles. You mean to stay on the air, you have to give things away? Free? Yes. <laughs> I'll die first. <laughs> well, not me. I'm auditioning my new program tonight. And you're, Fred, you're giving things away? Tons of stuff. To strangers? What's the difference who gets it? Well, Fred, as long as I'm here in the studio... Well, no, I'm sorry, Jack. Professional... <laughs> Professional people cannot participate. It's a rule. But don't you ever find people on these programs changing their names to 
To get something for nothing? Well, occasionally we do catch a phony, but we're on the air. What can we do? Nothing. You you have to give them the merchandise? That's right. Hmm. Now, Mr. Allen, we're ready for your audition. I'll run along, Fred. So long. So long, Jack. Hmm. Giving away things for nothing. Well, all right, Mr. Goodman. Let's try out my new show. How would you like to be king for a day? Ah! And here he is, the man who will change one of you nobodies into king for a day, the old kingmaker himself, Fred Allen. Thank you, and good evening. Did all you folks in the audience like those $1,000 bills you found on your seats when you came in? Good, and if you want more, there'll be a big bag of money at the door. On your way out, help yourselves. But the stage is loaded with hundreds of presents for the first man to answer our jumbo jackpot question. He will be king for a day. And here is our first eager contestant. Good evening, sir. What is your name? Abner Plog. Uh, Mr. Plog, how old are you? I'm 98. (laughs) 98 years old. And don't pin no orchid onto me. No, uh, no orchid, eh? That's how I lost my wife. On a quiz program? Yeah. My wife was 102. The fella pinned an orchid onto her. I see. The weight of the orchid bent my wife over and snapped her spine. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, my wife won first prize, but she never knew it. Well, all right, Mr. Flog. Now for our question. You may be king for a day. I don't think I'll last through the day. <laughs> All right, we'll hurry. Tell me, who was the sixth president of the United States? The sixth? There were three names. Mary Margaret McBride? Oh. <laughs> I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Flogg, but for making such a swell try, here is a gift certificate presented at LaGuardia Airfield, and you will get a brand new B-29 and a polka dot form-fitting parachute. Happy landing, Mr. Flock. And here is our next potential king for a day. Your name, sir? Myron Proudfoot. (laughs) Myron Proudfoot? You look like a chap I know. I'm not interested in your friends. Start giving things away, brother. (laughs) What is your occupation, Mr. Proudfoot? I'm a chaplain in a bakery. What does a chaplain do in a bakery? I put wings on angel cakes. How long have you been in the cake business, Mr. Proudfoot? Long enough to know a crumb when I see one. When I see one. Now, don't get sarcastic, Mr. Proudleg. The name is Proudfoot, and make with the question. All right. Who is the sixth president of the United States? John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams is correct. And Mr. Myron Proudfoot is king for a day. Folks, here he is, King Proudfoot. Well, Your Majesty, how do you feel? Never mind how I feel. What do I get? Well, first... (laughs) First, for His Majesty from Schnook Sport Nook, a genuine no-splash beaver board canoe paddle. A canoe paddle? Oh, boy! And with the compliments of Tiffany's, this chromium pitchfork. For me, a four-pronger, and it's all mine. <laughs> and from Hemingway's hardware store, 200 pounds of self-hardening putty for King Just what I needed. Just what I needed. This is just the beginning, King. King, you are over 35. By two years. Fine. That jumbo cotton, Uncle Jim, for His Majesty. He is over... <laughs> 
Effie, Effie, that's yipe backwards. <laughs> and here, the piston rod from a genuine Baldwin locomotive for His Majesty the King. A small locomotive. And here, from Melody Lane Music Shop, this case of 2,000 soybean mandolin picks. These are the mandolins. I just keep pinching myself to believe it. Immediately after this program, Your Majesty will be guest of honor at a banquet at Hamburger Heaven. Tomorrow morning, through the courtesy of the sanitation department, you will be guest conductor on the 11-5 garbage run through the Bronx. <laughs> At night, in your ermine robe, you will be whisked by bicycle to Orange, New Jersey, where you will be the judge in a chicken cleaning contest. <laughs> I'm king for a day! Not all. Yes, we're going to start right now to make you look like a king. Sam of Sam's Super Shoe Shine Stand is here to brush your shoes. All right, Sam. Sam, watch out for the button. Next, the president of the Busy Bee Hat Cleaners is here to block your hat. Take the king's hat, Mr. Bumble. And change the newspaper and the hat band. <laughs> your suit is a little baggy, king. Boys, take his majesty's coat off. Wait, wait. On our stage, we have a Hoffman pressing machine. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. An expert operating the Hoffman pressing machine will press your trousers. Now, wait a For 15 years, I've been waiting to catch you like Alan, this. Alan, you haven't seen the end of me. It won't be long now. I want my pay. Now, if you don't know what day today is. <laughs> today is the day to get out the tall grasses. The iced tea season is here. Time to enjoy iced tender leaf tea, one of summer's main attractions. Yes, iced tea is raised to its ultimate best by the use of this richer blend. In fact, the iced tea season has played a big part in making tender leaf tea so famous for flavor. Flavor means more. It's more important through the summer months. So everybody sets out to get all the flavor going, and that leads straight to tender leaf tea for finer flavor and more of it. In spite of melting ice, the richer goodness of tender leaf tea persists. The last swallow of the grass is still delicious, still flavorful tender leaf tea. As summer this comes is out, NBC, the, the National Broadcasting Company. October, Alan wrote a skit called The Radio Mickadoo about the hucksters of radio, the vice presidents and clerks who are confidentially a bunch of jerks. He was censored by NBC and told he couldn't ad-lib any longer. Alan told reporters censors were the executive fungus that forms on a desk. Shortly thereafter, when on air, the network cut him off in the middle of a joke. But now, other disgruntled NBC comedians joined in. Red Skelton mentioned Alan on his show and was immediately cut off, but he kept talking for his studio audience, telling them, you know what NBC means, don't you? Nothing but cuts. Nothing but confusion. Nobody's certain. Bob Hope mentioned Alan and got censored. Finally, Dennis Day took the last shot at NBC on his Day in the Life Wednesday night sitcom. I'm listening to the radio, he said to his girlfriend Mildred. I don't hear anything. I know. Fred Allen's on. 
NBC announced shortly thereafter that its comedians were free to say whatever they liked. It didn't matter. Fred Allen had finally won.